my mindset has been broadened from just what I see in international media, from from TV programs and music. You have a very one-sided view of what an African-American is and what African-Americans do and how African-Americans speak and how they present themselves. And when you get here, you see that it's this caricature and stereotype that's been created. And yeah, some people do live it, but a lot of other people do not. So as a Black woman in the US, I understand now why there is such a pro-Black culture. I understand why people are purposeful in always talking about their experience because some of the things I've seen here blow my mind. Hey everyone, welcome back to Flourish in the Foreign, a podcast that aims to elevate and affirm the voices and the stories of Black women living and thriving abroad. Why? Because we do this. Although mainstream media would lead you to believe that we don't, we actually do. We move abroad for career, for adventure, for love, on a whim. And we're out here doing it. I'm your host, Christine Job. Flourish in the Foreign is produced hosted and lovingly edited by me. And this process is a labor of love, but labor nonetheless. And because podcasting is not free, it takes time, money, and resources to produce this fantastic show for you. So please support this show. You can support this show by becoming a Patreon subscriber, in which you can go to the podcast Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash flourish for and i'm actually doing something really cute which is once we get to 10 patreon subscribers i will be dropping a second episode that week so double the fun for all of you listeners you can cash out the show at dollar sign flourish foreign and of course please shout out the podcast on social media Tag the podcast across Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Flourish Foreign. Please tell people why you love the podcast. Tell your favorite blogs, magazines, and other podcasts. Also, please, please, please take the time to go ahead and review the show. Yes, it is super, super important to review the show. It takes 30 seconds. It helps to get the show found in organic searches. So if you love the show, if you believe that Black women's voices should be elevated and affirmed, please go ahead and review the show today. Now on to the next story. For today's story, we have Patricia, a British woman with Lesotho heritage, who is currently living in the United States. She has vast experience being an expat, but I'm going to let her tell you all about it. My name is Patricia Corbella Jenkins. I am 
41 years old. (laughs) I'm a podcast editor and a podcast coach. And right now I am living in the US in Virginia. Hometown will always be London. I'm a Londoner, born and bred. When I hear about it, read about it, or just get to go there, I just feel like I can exhale. I haven't lived there for a long time. My parents are from Lesotho. They went to the UK when the the UK still had colonies. <laughs> they became British citizens. And my brother and I were born in in the UK, in London. We consider ourselves Brits. And then when I was 16, my parents decided to pack everything up and move back home. Now, home to them was Lesotho. That's where they were born and raised. That's where their family was. But as a stroppy 16-year-old, <laughs> I didn't want to go anywhere. I wanted to stay in my home, which was London. And long story short, that does not fly with Basoto parents. We went to Lesotho. There's, there was a small Basoto community in London. I wouldn't consider myself a third culture kid, but I think that our experience, my brother and I, was quite similar to a 3CK. DNA-wise, we are Basotho. This is where we're from. But growing up in London and being British and speaking English in our house, uh, um, we weren't taught how to speak um, our mother tongue. Those are all of the parts that help you to assimilate. But it's like I've got two hearts. I am Basotho. I know my roots. I know my history. I know my family. I know my family tree. And it's amazing. But on the other hand, my sense of humor is British. The lens at which I look through the world, I believe, takes the best of both of those. I know that it's unique. But I feel that when you become an adult, you attract people who are similar to you. People that I surround myself with have had similar experiences that I have had. We are very comfortable with one foot in either culture. And it really annoys me when people think I have to choose. As a matter of fact, no. No, I do not. It is how it is. While I was chatting with Patricia... I asked her if travel was something she experienced in her childhood. Travel was something that I always aspired to do. And actually, as a family living in the UK, we didn't travel a lot. My parents always spoke about it as something that you should do. And not as something like that it's special or it's for when you have X amount of money. It's just like it in the normal course of life, travel is included in that. The way they spoke about it, this is what will make you a well-rounded individual. And they themselves left home when they were quite young. My father was involved in politics. He left Lesotho and he traveled and tried to bring awareness to the situation in Lesotho He traveled to a lot of countries in in Africa. He could tell me about the time he spent in Ghana. And all of those stories make me want to visit Ghana so badly. I I just want to see what he saw. My mom was in Ghana as well, studying. He spent time in Nigeria. 
he spent time in Sierra Leone. He spent time in Namibia. My mother went to former Yugoslavia. She studied there. She spent some time in Russia and she studied there. And she had this amazing ability to pick up languages. She was really a polyglot. Um, I do not. I wish I could pick up languages like she did. But in our upbringing and in our home, it was always a good thing to know people who are not from where you are from. There is always something to be gained and learned from people who are different from you. So yes, that was the environment we kind of grew up in. And it's it's the mentality I carry with me now. A gap year is usually a period of time between secondary school, or in America we call high school, and university. It's a time where students can go and explore, volunteer, or work. And it's not something that's very popular in the United States. So I wanted to ask Patricia if she had a gap year experience. And what were her overall thoughts of gap years? No, I didn't have a gap year. I believe that it would be amazing if every child could have a gap year. You learn so much about who you are after high school. If you make it through high school, just being able to speak your mind and putting yourself in situations where you are your only fallback. If it fails, it's because you didn't do the work. I believe that gap years really strengthen people and and show you more of the world, who you are, your likes and dislikes, and more about what you can and should do. So no, I didn't have a gap year. I'm, I'm an advocate for them, but I realize now looking at it that having a gap year in most places, it's an exercise of privilege. It, it's bloody expensive. And I mean, no, you're not going to go to another country and, you know, skive off and, and go on the doll. But you're not going to sit there and just um, say, well, I couldn't make it. I'm going to sit on the corner and beg or I'm going to their government has got a good system and there are loopholes. I'm just going to let them pay for me to be here. That's not what a gap year is. It's not an opportunity that's open to everybody. And I think it should be. I think there would be a bit more compassion a lot more integrity, more cultural understanding, and far fewer stereotypes if everybody had a gap year. I wanted to know where Patricia attended university, what she studied, and if she had an opportunity to study abroad. I went to university in South Africa. I'm from Lesotho. South Africa surrounds it. I went to university in South Africa just because I was at that age where I wanted to be as far away as possible from my parents, but not so far that financial help would take more than a day or a couple of hours to get to me. I studied for a BCom in risk management, and I can say that I have never used that degree in my life. Never. Which is why I am an advocate for gap years, just because I think that we try and help kids by saying, okay, you need to get a career and, and follow this path. And this is what's going to set you up because we're so far down the line that we know how hard life can get. But I think sort of 18, 19, even 20 is a bit young to make decisions about what you're going to be doing 
with your whole life when you don't know who you are and you've never been tested. Um, did I like my university experience? Yes. I learned a lot about myself and and I learned how actually <laughs> pampered I was and I was a bit of a princess and life gave me a couple of knocks in university that showed me that actually you kind of need to toughen up and sometimes your parents are not going to bail you out. I wanted to study abroad. My family dynamic is kind of complicated. I went to school in South Africa, which was four hours away from Lesotho, from my home. As much as my parents were educated, smart people, let's just say their marriage wasn't the best template. I was always weary of being too far away from home. So I used to be kind of like a problem solver in my household. Um, always had that thing of, I want to see other countries. I want to go travel. Um, and I guess it worked out in its own weird sort of way, but after university. I asked Patricia what she did after she went to university. What were her next steps? What happens with a lot of Basotho is after high school, you kind of get this loan from the Lesotho government to go study. And most people, they will choose a course based on what will get them out of Lesotho because just the opportunities in my country are limited. Um, I chose a degree that would get me out of Lesotho, but unfortunately, it wasn't a degree that was going to get me work in South Africa where I would have more economic opportunities. When I graduated, I went back to Lesotho and I was unemployed for a long time. Now, this is not a place where you can go work in a coffee shop and do a couple of shifts. This is a place where if there is a coffee shop, it's probably the person who's going to serve you is like an older lady who is already struggling to put her kids through school. And it's not a place where you're going to find opportunities for young peppy people. I was unemployed for a long time and that led to a bit of a dip emotionally. But eventually I got a job in a golf club. And I know that sounds a bit posh, but I was just like an administrator. I was just doing the office work. Nothing like I had studied. But what was amazing was the people I met. They were just, they were really good people. It wasn't that I was on a career path when I was in Lesotho. I just had a job. After the golf club, I moved to um, Merchant Bank, and that was more in line with the degree I did. But I can say it now, the job used to put me to sleep. Um, I believe now that I followed the wrong career path because I didn't know how to use my skills and passions and give it a job title. And I've learned that it doesn't actually have to have a title, but I learned that a lot later in life. I asked Patricia when she started her life as an expat, or the circumstances, where did she go first, and where are all the places she has been? All right, this is the twist in the story. It wasn't actually that I stepped into a job overseas. What happened was when I was working in Lesotho, that's when I met my now husband, and he was on a contract in Lesotho. He's a Brit. By the time his contract was winding up, we were serious about one another. We knew that we were committed. 
And he said, well, look, this contract is up and I've been offered a job in Sierra Leone. Are we going to go together? And after a lot of umming and ahhing, my response was yes. I effectively became a trailing spouse. Don't at me on my social media and say, oh, that's, that's a terrible phrase. No one really likes that phrase, but that is what I was. And once you, you own it, you can do something about it. When you are a partner or the trailing spouse, the visa you will get will sometimes state that you cannot work in that country. Now, I find that's the case with developing countries more because levels of unemployment can be quite high. If I'm coming there and I want to go work in an insurance office because I've got a BCom in risk management, it will mean that a local will not have that job. And that in its very nature is unfair. My visa was such that I was just the spouse. In some places, you will just be called the dependent. You don't get a title. You're not a spouse. You're not even a wife or anything like that. You're just the dependent. And when I saw that, and I didn't even have to fill in the form, they're like, oh no, your husband's filled in the form. You're fine. You can just go. And I'm like, wow, I can just waltz into your country and not be registered. Like I'm, I'm not even considered a person. Although I was traveling to these places and being a long-term tourist, that was quite soul destroying. So <laughs> I became a trailing spouse. We went to Sierra Leone and it's an interesting place to be. This was, I think, more than five years after the, the end of the war. It was a country that was rebuilding. It was a country with such an energy. It was a country with amazing food. Oh, my goodness. Now, he was going to work every day. And whilst it might seem exotic and restful that I'm going to sit at home all day and be a lady of ledger, if you have brains and drive and ambition, it is, it's actually quite boring and soul-destroying. This is when you realize socially how important titles are because people would ask you, hey, what do you do? And I know that now we, we try and make the parameters for that wider. But at the time I was saying, I, I'm not doing anything. And I sat there for nine months not doing anything and not knowing what I wanted to do or what I was going to do made me quite low. And I think in Sierra Leone, as I was quite new, I didn't know how to be an expat. I didn't know how to connect with people. And remember, this was kind of at the beginnings of Facebook and social connection. We had email, but in order to email people, you have to know somebody's email address. So what I did was I volunteered at a charity. And if you're starting an expat journey with your partner and they're going for a job, I'm going to say that's a great place to start. Look for a charity where you can just spend some time, use your skills. It will keep you sane. You will learn something and you will kind of have some purpose. We were there for nine months. We came back to South Africa. Then we spent some time in Namibia. And this is when I started hearing about working online. I'm like, what is this? And I watched like this little clip from the BBC and I heard about people who were doing transcriptions and some of these online sites. I'm like, I'm not doing anything. So why can't I just do this? Maybe it would lead to somewhere. 
And yeah, eventually that is how I started my online career. It was being an expat, being bored, not having connections. Patricia was born and raised in the UK, but her roots are in Lesotho and she returned to Lesotho with her parents when she was 16. And although her husband is British, I was really interested to know if she considers her marriage intercultural and what were some of the challenges that came with an intercultural marriage? I do consider it intercultural as much as I consider myself a Brit. I think in the home that you grow up with, there are just certain lessons you learn and expectations that like seep into you. There haven't been any clashes because my husband has been working on the continent of Africa for quite a while. I mean, he started in Malawi, moved to Zambia. He has been very aware of cultural differences. And I think his outlook is, this is just the way people do things here. I cannot come in and compare it to the way things are done in the UK because I am not in the UK. I think that has helped with any sort of issues we would have. I mean, every time I've just had to do something which he doesn't understand, I would just say, no, this is like a Lesotho thing. And I'm going to say sometimes the the Lesotho traditions or Basotho traditions have to be explained to me because I'm more British than Basotho in the way that I was raised. So I don't always fully grasp the concepts. But I mean, it can be small things. Like if if we have a bottle of wine, the last bit in the bottle that people hold and they try and get all the drops out. If I get hold of that bottle, I am going to go spill some on the ground because that's for the ancestors. Um, and it's not like it freaks him out or anything like that, but it's, it's just like, it's it can be an odd thing to do if you're if you have people to dinner and I'm like, no, 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 don't, don't finish that. We, we need to go put it on the ground. <laughs> um, but I only do it at my house. I think we have strong differences of opinion in the way you raise kids. But I think that's maybe more of a personal issue because I have never wanted kids. Now, don't get me wrong. I love my stepchildren, but I personally do not want to have a child. That is a choice that I have made. So. I am more do as I say and do it quickly. And my husband is more of the let's sit down and talk about this. So I had to learn to actually bend and adapt because that is the way that my kids were raised. And I can't come in and erase all of that just because I was raised a different way. I will say that I had to talk more and listen more and ask for opinions and that was something I learned over the years. But I was very much raised in kids are kind of seen and not heard environment. My parents are old school. I was really interested to learn more about Patricia's experience as a Black woman abroad. Although a lot of her expat experience had been on the continent of Africa, I was still really interested to understand how she was perceived in all these various countries. In Sierra Leone, my experience as a black woman was was fine. 
it was excellent. Um, I think people knew that I wasn't from Sierra Leone because obviously I look a little bit different from the local people. Sometimes they would think that I was from one of the nomadic groups and they would start speaking to me in a certain dialect and then I'll be like, I'm sorry, I don't understand you. What warmed my heart was when I would explain to people that I'm from Lesotho. There was immediate recognition. Not a lot of people know where Lesotho is. That warmed my heart. It's like, oh, you're from Lesotho, that little country surrounded by South Africa. And I'm like, yeah, my God, I don't have to draw you a map and explain it. That's amazing. In Sierra Leone, it was fine. It was it was actually a pleasant experience. It was, And what was amazing is I have two passports. I've got a British passport and a Lesotho passport. And in Sierra Leone, I had passport privilege with my Lesotho passport rather than with the British one. That always makes me chuckle because in a lot of places, it is the other way around. It's my line was quicker than my husband's <laughs> at the airport in, in Sierra Leone. In South Africa, I guess you could say I was an expat, even though it's it's next door to Lesotho. South Africa has got a very different dynamic because of its history, because of the the way there are just different stratas in society, how to put it politely, the ethnic minority was in charge, ran the country for longer than than the indigenous people. All of that makes for an interesting experience in South Africa. Sometimes, dependent on who I was with, I would tell people I'm Basotho, and then sometimes. I would tell people that I'm British. It really depends on who you're speaking to. It's like, if I'm from Lesotho, it's like, oh, okay, great. You're from Lesotho. Oh, yeah, it's down the road, that little country. And people would be stupid enough to ask me if they need a passport to get into Lesotho. Yes, you do. It's a different country. Your country surrounds my country and you don't know this I'm judging you but then there's that thing of oh you're from Lesotho but you speak such good English well why wouldn't I little things used to annoy me then I didn't want to sort of say well I speak good English because I was raised in the UK a lot of Basotho speak excellent English because we are educated I felt that I want to push back against this idea that I kind of have a veneer of civilization because I grew up in the UK. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm a Lesotho. There's nothing wrong with coming from Lesotho. I am proud of my country and our education. The place where I did have a harder time as an expat was Lebanon. It's a beautiful country. It's got amazing history, but I will never personally go back there. You couldn't pay me to go back there. There, It's a rather homogenous society. And again, there's just this idea that different people, especially different colors, have a certain place in society and there's nothing outside those molds in a homogenous society. Most of the black people in Lebanon were um, were domestic workers and they are not, by and large, treated well in Lebanon. You will hear some horror stories. Go look for them. I'm happy to have the argument with anybody. 
but it came across really badly when I would go to the shops because of course as a black woman I'm a maid and I'm shopping for my boss people would just jump in front of me in the shopping queue sometimes I wouldn't be allowed into a store they would like stand at the door then it became like oh I could have access to places when I was with my husband because I mean he's white and he can go anywhere he wants oh and there was there was that then there's the whole thing of we're um, an interracial couple and people's issues with that so as an expat and as a black woman Lebanon was not my favorite place and I became very isolated. That was my worst experience. But I have ooh, three amazing friends <laughs> from Lebanon. And everywhere you go, there are good people. But I would say that, no, you couldn't pay me enough money to go back to Lebanon. Patricia now lives in the United States. And I was very, very curious to learn more about her experience in the United States and her perceptions of the country. I live in Virginia, but it sort of borders on Washington, D.C. We are sort of in a very mixed cosmopolitan area. My mindset has been broadened from just what I see in international media, from from. TV programs and music, you have a very one-sided view of what an African-American is and what African-Americans do and how African-Americans speak and how they present themselves. And when you get here, you see that it's this caricature and stereotype that's been created and yeah some people do live it but a lot of other people do not so as a black woman in the U.S. I understand now why there is such a pro-black culture I understand why people are purposeful in always talking about their experience because some of the things I've seen here blow my mind I mean we're still very much in the midst of um, those two guys in Georgia who ran after a man and hunted him down and shot him and where else in the world would that happen it's it it's frightening but have I ever experienced racism here? No, I have not. I think when I say I'm a Brit, I feel they give me a fairer shake of the stick. The, the States is how you need all of your senses and they all become overwhelmed. It's big. Some places are quiet. It's beautiful. It's diverse. But I've never been in a place where color is so important. It's so important. And I've never been in a place where people are so polarized and it's hard to make people meet in the middle or see the importance of meeting in the middle. And it's not an environment in which I feel I could thrive. How do I feel about the States? I like it. I want to see more of it. Do I fully understand a Black person's point of view? that comes from the U.S.? No, I do not, because I've never had their experiences, but I can see how it is 
challenging. And I feel that I've become more of an advocate for the conversations because before I got here, I was like, oh, the whole color thing. Why can't we all just get along? And I can see how that is a naive, almost daft perspective once you actually live here and you feel the undercurrent, you see the undertone or actually just the overt statements. I have not had any bad experiences here in the US, but it does not mean that I am not aware that I could have them and that they would be belittled or ridiculed. My formative experiences when I was growing into a, a, a young woman were on a continent and in a country where everybody looks like me and where being a little bit different on the inside was something that I would have to share with people. I am the norm in Lesotho. I'm a black woman Everybody else looks like me. Everybody expects you to know the rules. Also, I feel that from the expat community in Lesotho, there wasn't any tension. There wasn't any... We, I don't think we really held to any stereotypes. It's like, okay, this person is in Lesotho. They're working here. They're doing whatever. It's like, it's not just like white people do this. Maybe somebody will say it in a joking way. You don't really classify a lot of things along racial lines. When I do, then that would irritate me, but it wasn't really a norm for me or with the people that I associated with. I wanted to know what had been Patricia's experience of healthcare in the various countries she had lived. I find that healthcare here in the U.S. is wonderful. But you have to make a certain amount of money to have access to that health care. So there are two very different issues there. It's like, um, yes, the, the standard of health care here is excellent, but I have problems with the accessibility of it. I don't think health care should be a privilege. Um, but I mean, contract we have, we have access to good health care. Lebanon, I thankfully was not ill. There was a day when I got food poisoning and I was ill for three days. Like I actually thought I was dying and my husband was really worried and I was scaring him and he does not scare easily. But I had such a bad time in Lebanon that I was actually too scared to go to the doctor because I was afraid of the reception that I would get because I had heard some horror stories. I was just afraid of the of the racist reaction that I might face if I had to go into a hospital. I was afraid of that. There was just that one incident where I was sick, but thankfully, um, you know, nothing came of it. South Africa has excellent healthcare. Again, it is a system of you only have access to it if you have the funds. But as medical tourism is a thing, I'm going to say you, you should look at South Africa if you want anything done. The doctors are excellent. I've, I've been lucky that I haven't really been sick so far. As an expat in, in our packages, healthcare has been covered and it's it's one of those things where if you live in a place that is considered high risk there's all of this thing of oh we will helicopter you out which sounds kind of cool but I actually never want to be in that position. 
I asked Patricia to give some advice for first-time expats or women who are considering becoming an expat. If this is your first go or you, you've got the opportunity to go somewhere, I'm going to say jump, do it. It won't be like home. It shouldn't be like home. Give it time. Give yourself at least one year to feel settled. Now, I know that's a long time, but remember, you're going to be in a new place. You're going to be comparing it to home for a couple of months. Then you're going to find your people and you're going to, if not love the differences, at least be accepting of them. Do your research before you go. Find out about transport. Find out about money. Find out about where people hang out. Find the Facebook groups. Look for meetups. Start going to internations meetings so that you meet people who are not from where you are from, so that you see the way that different people interact socially, that not everything is a shock. One thing I will say is if you see that there's an opportunity somewhere, is there leeway for you to negotiate what your visa will allow you to do? Normally, we just get the visa that people say we should go with. Do your some research into your visa. Will your visa allow you to work? Now that there's the opportunity for people to work online, is that recognized? Will you be able to set up your own little thing wherever you're going to be and and run a virtual business or something like that? That is more of the advice that I equipped to give people who are going to be expats. I asked Patricia to tell me more about her journey to developing an online business and give some advice to all of you who are considering starting your own online business. Well, for my journey, I started focusing more on what my skills were and what I was interested in and what I could learn more than job titles because if I was only Patricia with a BCom in risk management that's actually quite narrow and then I just felt like I was getting older and I didn't have the experiences that my peers were having because they were back home and progressing and there I was sitting on a fantastic sofa but watching daytime tv being an expat teaches you a lot about yourself I've learned that the Patricia who left Lesotho could be a bit of a wimp. And, you know, I was very happy to follow a career path that was easy. I wasn't the person who would create it for myself. I started from scratch. I built my business of podcast editing, but it didn't come overnight. There were many failures. There many times I put it to the side and it's gone through different iterations. When you're starting out, start contacting people who are in the field that you are in. I'm going to tell you what I did and I'm happy to debate it with people who would do it a different way. Um, Because I was tried and untested and I didn't know anything about audio when I was starting out, I connected with other people, especially female audio people. And I just said, listen, I need an hour of your time. I want to pick your brain but I will do something for you for an hour of your time. I will do a transcript of your podcast. And for that, can you explain this issue to me? I started bartering, I guess. Some people didn't respond, but some people were really great and they did. And this helped me build up my portfolio. Don't spend too long just polishing your website. 
know what you do, know when you are at an acceptable standard, and then just go. Put yourself out there. Price yourself accordingly. What are people in your industry charging? Who do you want to be aligned with? Because I think there's different levels in in, in each industry. Where do you want to be? Just because you're starting out, it doesn't mean you should be charging the lowest rates possible. Think carefully about positioning yourself. This is where just having a community of of like-minded people can help you. There's a lot of groups on Facebook. Look for freelancer groups. If you want to do graphic design, look for those groups that are talking about graphic design. Start honing in on the area that you want to be in and ask the questions. Most people will steer you the right way and you won't have to keep falling on your face on your own. Don't go out and buy all of the courses that you can get. Ask for advice. Beaver away at it. And then when you've got a little bit of experience, then you'll be able to judge whether these courses are worth the money or not. This is my private bugbear. It's these courses that teach you the absolute basics and you finish it and you're like, well, I I already knew that. You just put it in a funky way, but I didn't get anything from this. And then, yeah, if it's your thing, hire a coach, but vet your coach. Who does your coach work with? What results have they got? Are they a lot of shiny advertising or do they actually have results? Who is telling you outside of their Facebook group that they got results with this person? Once you dig a little bit, you'll be able to find this out. But otherwise, um, I think the most important thing you can do is keep going and don't be afraid to make little changes. You don't have to follow anybody's formula. I'm I'm an introvert and I like conversation. And no, I'm not going to be a drill major to do my coaching. I'm actually going to be supportive. I am going to critique you, but it's going to be gentle. I am going to push you a little bit, but you know what? I don't need you to be borderline on a breakdown. Don't be afraid to just put yourself in your business and um, you are as good as anybody else. Just get started. Try it. You have nothing to lose. Patricia is a fellow podcaster and I asked her to explain the origin of the podcast, the types of guests she has and what was the aim of the podcast. My podcast is called The Enterprising Expat. I was a trailing spouse and I didn't have much purpose in just in myself and what I was doing. And like I said, I feel that I've grown so much as a person in this expat journey, but it has been a journey. Like nobody told me that I should have certain marketable skills if I'm going to be an expat. Nobody told me that you're going to go to a new country and X country is going to be like this. You won't be able to work. You need this, that, and the other, and all of these rules. Women who are navigating life as expats and who want to be and do more than being the trailing spouse. They want to feel fulfilled. I interview women who were former trailing spouses and they've created a business in their new homes as expats. I speak to digital nomads because I feel that's relevant. And I think it's a lifestyle I would have loved if I was 20 right now. I'm traveling and just leaving home and working in an environment that is 
unfamiliar to you and and sort of assimilating and integrating into that place how do you do it what do you need what are the skills how does it work these are the things we discuss on the podcast but also the expat experience of being lonely and yes missing home and not quite fitting in and what it takes to find people that you can really connect with and what do you do when they leave and what do you do if the language it's just a barrier what do you do when you really dislike the place you are in we cover all of those expat issues that people don't really like to talk about and that they feel that they are alone in experiencing and they're not i asked patricia what was her definition of wellness And how had living abroad influenced that definition of wellness for her? My definition of wellness encompasses mental health and physical health. Mental health is is a big one. I am quite a sensitive person. I mean, I um, had some struggles with depression in my early 20s and I was ashamed of that through my 20s, but now I, I'm not and I can I can speak about it. So protecting my mental health is critical for me. I'm, I'm stronger in drawing lines about how I will and will not be treated, what you can and cannot say to me. But for me, it's pivotal that mental health is, is good. And then the, everything flows from that. And um financial wellness is a huge factor because i've been poor so don't tell me you can be poor and happy because i've been poor and it's bloody hard let's just say mental health is is it's the foundation and then my body follows on top of that and then it is financial wellness because you have to be balanced in order to get to those money goals Thank you so much, Patricia. Thank you so much for sharing. And for all of you that are interested in keeping up with Patricia, you can follow her on our social media. If you want help with your podcast or you want to just get on a 15-minute obligation-free call to ask questions and get clarity, my website is podcastmaven.com and you can book a call. You will find my Facebook page the underscore podcast underscore maven on facebook and that is the same address on instagram i am more active on instagram and i answer a lot quicker on there if you want to listen to my podcast and listen to the story of these amazing expat women that have given me their time and their expertise it is called the enterprising expat you can follow me on Instagram with that one and it's the same as the title The Enterprising Expat. The podcast is available in all podcast catchers. You, you can play it on Apple, on Spotify, on Stitcher, anywhere that you you're looking for it, you should be able to find it and I am happy to answer anybody's questions and get you started on on podcasting because I think we all have a unique story to tell. Thank you all so much for listening. Um, I really appreciate you guys coming back every week and for supporting the show. Thank you so, so much. I want to direct your attention to the Flourish in the Foreign website. 
Yes, the podcast has a website that is very nice, if I do say so myself, which I do. So you can go to the website at www.flourishintheforeign.com and on the website, you can actually see a really cool interactive map. And on the map, you can actually click on the pins that are pinned on the map and it'll open up and it'll show you the podcast associated with that country or city. It is really cool. So definitely go check that out. If you have any questions about living, working, thriving abroad, please send me those questions via Instagram DM at Flourish Foreign, and I'm going to try to answer some of these questions in an IG live. That is all for today. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast and supporting it. It means so, so much. And of course, thank you to Zachary Higgs, who produced the music for this podcast. Zach produces music for artists, content creators, video games, mixtapes, all things. Maybe Broadway shows as well. Maybe one day. He really can do it all. So if you're looking for some original music for your next project, please check him out. I'll put all of his information in the show notes. And until next time, please take care of yourself and see you next week. On the next episode of Flourish in the Foreign. There's really no point in going abroad if you want to try to recreate your American experience in someone else's country. That's not going to work and you're going to be disappointed and frustrated. It starts really with an open heart and an open mind. Be very conscious of your own intent. And if your intent is to transplant your American life minus the racism to someone else's country, that's probably not the best strategy.